Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Hello all and welcome into Big Ten Plus Four, another edition of it. College sports with Midwest Perspective, Blue Collar and Blue Blood. I'm Dalton Shetler, that's Sam Sprunger over there. Sam, how we doing? It's uh, it's Wednesday. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's <enough>. Wednesday. <laughs> well, and, and it's kind of odd, right? Because we've all been just, for the most part, just snorting college basketball for yeah. the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah. I mean, but between round one and round two it's just all just constantly in your face like a speed bag just boom 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 mm-hmm. boom and you're trying to keep up with all of it especially when you're doing men's and women's because there's right. so much going on just that many more games and then sweet 16 and elite eight stay fairly busy right between both of those you at least have games going for most of the evening yeah and yeah. now we just kind of sit in purgatory where we're like okay the final four is coming like we're, we've gotten so used to just so much basketball and so much going on. And now we just sit and we wait it's, until Friday for the women, Saturday for the men's. It's kind of like the the week between for for younger kids or even adults that act like kids. Uh, the week. between So me. Yeah. And me. Uh, the <laughs> week between Christmas and New Year's to where yeah. like, OK, it was so like, whoa. And then you got that little bit of letdown until you get into the new year. And that's kind of what, and, and I don't know if you're the same way, but new year's kind of anticlimactic compared to Christmas. So not anticlimactic, but just not as hyped as big as, as Christmas. So it kind of doesn't always come through the way that you hope it does. Well, and, and (laughs) like as a, as a kid in that prism, usually Christmas is way up here and new year's is whatever. But as an adult, like new year's gets to be more fun. It's a little more fun. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anymore. I'm, I'm asleep by 1130 and then they got to wake me up for it. I did that a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, I have zero interest in the ball (laughs) dropping. I'm going to bed. Um, But anyways, so yes, a lot of basketball going on. We do have the final four set for both the men and the women. The women, by the way, this is a Big Ten related show, nearly had three Big Ten teams into the final four. Instead, it finished with just one. But still, the first time a Big Ten women's team has made it to the final four since 2015. And that team is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Let's say it this way. The the two teams that were eliminated, Maryland and Ohio State, played really well. They 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 can you know Maryland competed extremely well with with South Carolina, which well, go ahead. I was going to say, just for some of the listeners who may not have been paying attention to women's basketball all year, just so you're not excluded, South Carolina is the dynasty team. They're undefeated this year. I think just they're 100. Line. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're 129 and eight in the last four years. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how good South Carolina is. And that's who Maryland ran into or else Maryland might be in this final four as well. They are the current the the current. UConn from a few years back and they and UConn was the was the then current Tennessee like there's always a team that kind of takes over and right now South Carolina is that team and you're right Maryland Maryland was competitive they had opportunities they just came up short and I think I believe Diamond Miller fouled out and Mm -hmm. and so that kind of hindered them in their progression and maybe they would have had a chance at that point but good good season for the terps oh absolutely it was a good run to the elite eight and then ohio state in the sweet 16 knocks out yukon it's the first time yukon's not in the final four in 15 years and oh yeah you see sam over there because sam called the shot he had it last week that ohio state would beat yukon and he got it right knocks out yukon it's the first time since i think 2005 that yukon didn't make the elite eight and the we elite said, eight was 2005 2007 was the final four which that's the more impressive stat that's yeah, just yeah, bewildering 
Um, but still just absolutely ridiculous. Ohio State played fantastic in that game against Virginia Tech. They just weren't able to rattle the Hokies like they were able to rattle UConn. And I don't know, that might have been the most staggering thing is seeing a squad coached by Gino Oriema, and, and that is just a dynastic kind of group. They're iconic. Mm -hmm. To yeah. see them so flustered, and it's because of Ohio State's press, they forced 25 turnovers in yeah. that game. I, I I texted you while we while they were playing it, and I'm like, Ohio State's looking really good, and and I I hadn't watched the whole thing, so I wasn't sure how those turnovers came over, came through. I was like, I'm not sure if it was UConn just being down for that game, Ohio State's defense, or if it was a combination of both. And I think it was more towards what Ohio State was doing yeah. rather than what UConn uh, wasn't doing. I mean, I think I think it was what Ohio State was doing that was forcing uh, UConn to just not know what in the world to do, and to to see twenty five in the TO column for UConn is just mind blowing, is what it is. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely were able to fluster them, and I think I I can't quite remember. I think Holly Rowe was the sideline reporter for that game. I believe, but I, right. I could be okay. And, and at one point, Holly was sitting in the UConn huddle during a timeout and came back and reported that Gino's like, "You have to help each other on the press break. Like, <laughs> go help." Like, so I mean, they were absolutely flustered. But Virginia Tech was built different than that. And Virginia mm -hmm. Tech had a great year. They were the one seed out of the ACC. Um, but the, the press didn't necessarily rattle them. And even Kevin McGuff, Ohio State's coach, called off the press during that game because Virginia Tech was able to beat it so easily and get layups. And it took Ohio State out of its game. And Virginia Tech, which deservingly so, gets to the Final Four. But as we said, there is still a Big Ten team in Iowa. Can I say something about uh, that game real quick? To think about <clears throat> all the production, J.C. Sheldon had a great game in that game, again, production-wise. Mike Sell, I don't remember her first name. Taylor. She, Taylor. She scored 25, and that's not even taken into consideration. Cody Mann scored, I believe, 18. So, like, Ohio State was putting points on the board. Just Virginia Tech was just putting more uh more the the girl's name um uh, last name's amore she got knocked on her can and i honestly when i saw the replay of her being helped off the court i thought there's no way she's coming back and then she came back and scored 25 points oh yeah 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 <clears throat> yeah had a phenomenal I, game i blew my mind but that was a great and that's what virginia tech was doing to ohio state they were just putting more on the board i mean ohio yep. state was doing well but they put more on the board and you're absolutely right. Iowa. I just like we all had it written down. Iowa would be the lone big 10 team in the, in the women's uh, representing in the final four, right? There, there is so much <laughs> talent with that squad though. For and of sure. course, Caitlin Clark gets a 40 point triple double in the NCAA tournament. That's never been done by either a men's player or women's player. Any in human history. being in the final or in the tournament. 40 some point triple double. I mean, it's just staggering what she was able to do. And now she's got Iowa rolling into the final four. And I do want to mention this too, because in the Elite Eight matchup between Iowa and Louisville, uh, you had Haley Van Lith from, from the Cardinals and you yeah. had Caitlin Clark from the Hawkeyes. And uh, are you recentering your hat too? Yeah. I just yeah. was looking at the screen. And I think mine I was noticed tilted it was off a little of whopper. Yeah. Uh, so, it, well, I think it was subconscious. Oh. You did the same thing. So I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. My, my hat's off too. <laughs> we'll reset our bills real quick. Okay. <laughs> but back to the conversation, the Elite Eight, Louisville and Iowa. Yeah. Uh, this was a great game, star studded. But I want to point something out to the listeners. The TV ratings came back from ESPN. Uh, ESPN has the women's tournament. There was an average viewership of 2.5 million during that game of Iowa women's basketball and Louisville in the Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. That number is bigger than any NBA game on ESPN this year. What that, that, that is amazing because what that, I that, yeah. yeah I mean what Iowa and and Louisville just did on the women's side got more eyeballs to it than any NBA game this year on ESPN. Take away it being on a Friday, what is the viewership going to be for South Carolina and Iowa? Well, that sets up the next thing because I think that's going to I think that can break records. I mean, you're I, talking I think about so again, too. 
you're talking about the the dynastic team in South Carolina we were just talking about. Aaliyah Boston's on that team. She was last year's National Player of the Year. This year's National Player of the Year is probably Caitlin Clark, and that's the other sideline. Iowa Hawkeyes come rolling in. Caitlin Clark just had a 40-point triple-double in the NCAA tournament. Everybody loves watching Caitlin Clark because of her style, right? It's the female Steph Curry, as she's coined, and everybody loves watching. You pit that against this dynastic team, I think viewership ratings are are going to be set. Like there, there are going to be new records yeah. in the Final Four come Friday night when these two play. Well, and do you think the committee's kicking themselves and not putting Iowa in Seattle instead of Greenville? <laughs> because now the Greenville uh, uh, regions play each other in the Final Four, correct? I, I believe so. Oh, that and you're saying Iowa put, put them again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now they now they face off in the final four rather than the finals because that yeah. would stand alone on Sunday. That would have been, I think you'd be looking at more. Plus it'd be for the national title. But, you know, there's nothing you can do to predict that to happen, though. Right. And I mean, uh, you always, you know, have that thought, well, if Iowa makes it, they're going to probably end up playing South Carolina and like, eh, well. We, that's the chance we take or whatever but I, I would bet money that the committee's going man we had missed that one but you know like last year in the men's when north carolina and duke played in the final four semifinal i feel like so many people are going to watch that regardless like yeah I, I, yeah yeah i hear your point but i i see and and the real bone i'm picking here sam is because all week so far as we've been sitting in purgatory and people have nothing better to do i have heard endless complaining about the men's final four and because you don't have all the sexy names you don't have all the blue bloods you don't have all the brands that ratings are just going to be down the toilet ratings are going to be horrible because you have florida atlantic you have san diego state you have uh, miami and you have yukon uh to me coast coast baby i'm i'm watching this either way I, look, I, I'm sure there are some people out there maybe that that exists that say I'm only watching if it's like last year where it's Duke, North right. Carolina, Kansas, mm -hmm. Villanova, but I don't really care. This is the it's this tournament's been happening since 1939, and I don't think you can name me a more obscure one off unique final four than what we have this year. True. Like, let's celebrate the rarity of what this is. You have three different schools making the Final Four for the first time in school history. Like, everybody says they love a Cinderella run, but you can't have three Cinderella's. Why not? Who cares? They sure. won the games. They got there. I, I'm not turning my TV off all of a sudden because Florida Atlantic's won four or five games or San Diego State's won four or five games instead of it being... Duke on that yeah. side. I, I don't understand where this the, the, the complaints are coming from. If you don't care to watch basketball and you only care, it, you're only gravitated to it if there's a blue blood name, then sit it out. I, I just don't really care to hear these complaints. You got it off your chest now? It's really been bothering. <laughs> the other thing, all the criticism about, and is it the, the ball that's causing all the bad shooting in the tournament? Oh, for crying out loud, get over the fact that the ball is the issue. It might it might play that much, and if you're looking at the can, if you're watching, my fingers are a quarter of an. It means that much. Yep. There might be a different feel, but it's not going to affect it and make Purdue shoot seven of twenty nine, or make you know whatever teams playing uh, Creighton shoot crappy from the three point. It doesn't affect you that much if anything if you're going to pull the environment into it it'd be the air of the stadium that you're playing in that's mm -hmm. going to affect your game more than the ball get over that oh and we're getting ready to play in a giant stadium for a <laughs> final four like i, I mean what are, what are we doing yeah, everybody in the nosebleeds are going to see the people the size of the distance my fingers were apart just a minute ago because we're all about the cash yeah and and look i mean that's that's fine to me. I just don't understand why somebody came up with the idea that, oh, well, the maybe the basketball's the thing. And then everybody in the press just started running with it and asking every member of every team, what about the ball? What do you think about the ball? Like, and even it, if it, they weren't thinking about it, don't man. You, even if they weren't thinking about it, now they are. Thank yeah. you. I just. <laughs> I, I know after Michigan State's loss to Kansas State, AJ Hogard was asked about it, and and AJ just kind of sat there plainly and looked and was like, "We both used the same ball." Like, 
And and by the way, that question came following a 98 to 93 score where Kansas State won in the Sweet 16, where both teams shot 50% from three. AJ, well, can you can you speak about the difference of the ball? Did did that play anything into your three? You know, literally, only a three point loss that that last second layup didn't you know play into yeah. the score itself. But you know, no, shut up. Both teams scored <laughs> in the So yeah, again, these are my two biggest gripes <laughs> I I have so far in the NCAA tourney. I'm tired <laughs> of hearing about what's going to be the low TV rating on the men's side, and I'm tired of hearing about the basketball in the NCAA men's tournament. I'm tired of hearing about them. Well, to get back to the women's, I I on a, I was just saying it tongue in cheek. Is was the committee <laughs> upset because you know the, you want your your championship game to have the best matchup possible, yep. and of the you know honestly. LSU, if they were to win, or Virginia Tech, if they win, they're going to be a formidable opponent to whoever wins that game. But it, you've got to admit, of the four teams, those are the two titans of the Final Four left. Oh, and, and absolutely the most attention-grabbing. Correct. Like you're well, you're I mean, absolutely right. Good Lord, do you see how Iowa travels for their team? Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah, you know, I remember and, being at the Big Ten tournament, and there was just a flood of black and gold in there from in the stands in Minneapolis. And I'm we like, say black and yellow because gold is the proper color that's <laughs> on my hat. They're black and yellow. Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they they travel very very well. Yeah. And and by the way, we mentioned there was 2.5 million uh, as the average between Iowa and Louisville in that Elite Eight game. The peak was at 2.7 million. But I also want to loop back to the Ohio State UConn game in the Sweet 16. That had an average viewership of 2.2 million. Good so lord. The, the women's basketball game is killing the ratings. I and, mean, it is just having a field day this year. And I, I know this is a regular season game, but think about the what was the implications of the game. The IU-Purdue game in Bloomington. Mm -hmm. It was when Purdue was number one. IU was, I believe, 17. And they drew, what was it, 1.7 million people watching it. And that was for a regular season game. I get that. But the fact that it was number one against 17, it was a rivalry game. And they said it was the largest viewership of a regular season college game in I, however many years. But like that more, that's not even in comparison. Like this is yep. huge. This is exponentially larger than something like that. And, yep. and I know it's not apples to apples. It's it's. But my point is, is that was a huge game. That was a huge viewership. And we're talking about at least a million people more watching that game and and sold out arenas left and right. Yeah. I mean, what has happened? And I know we're running a little heavy, but I think this Sorry. is an important point. What has happened with the college game where you're seeing for the, the first and second round where it's being played on campuses in front of. I mean, at IU, it was a packed assembly hall. Like the women's game is getting to a point where it's starting to blow up in such a great way. And I think there's a couple of things for that. One, I think the women's game product has gotten just that good. I think yeah, it's earned its attention. Like, I, I mean, again, we're talking about Caitlin Clark. We're talking about South Carolina. You watch these games. They are entertaining. Yeah. The product has gotten so much better. I think. Uh, female athletes have gotten so much more athletic. Now, the idea of a female dunking in the in a like a the college game or just a college level player, they do it in practice. Like there are there are multiple. That used to be an unheard of thing. I think it's just evolving, and it's great timing because now social media is here, ready to capture it. Everything is going great yeah. for them, and it's just a great product. So, meaning again, it's earned. But I also think Sam, and this is important, I think for for fans because. Uh, we, we all had kind of built in, I shouldn't say we all had, but some people had built in barriers to, uh, kind of accepting or getting into the women's game. And I think one of them that nobody was necessarily consciously saying, but subconsciously saying was, I, I'm, I'm not watching that instead of, you know, my, my men's team that I, I love to follow. Like I'm a, I'm a fan of Indiana. I'm not going to not watch Trace Jackson Davis and watch, you know, the, the women's team. But I think right. what people are starting to realize is you can love both. Like sure. nobody's telling you don't watch the, the, the men's games to, to watch the women's. But I think people are starting to understand like, Oh, I can, I can root for my school and both of these. Like I can follow along with both. And I think that 
the, the just swinging of that door open, because I think that subconsciously has happened with so many people, has also given the, the real estate for the women's game to balloon the way it has. You know, I can hate IU on both sides of the basketball. It's fine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and 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 to wrap up the first quarter before we move to the second, uh, I'm not sh- ashamed to admit when I was younger, you know, that was when women's basketball, like in college level, was starting to, to really take off. Mm-hmm. And it was to me horrible to watch because mm-hmm. it was it, it and this is not discounting what they were doing because they were start you know getting into their upswing but it was more like watching almost a junior high game to where you were setting up your play running your play dumping it down to the person in the paint and they were trying to get their shot and if a team was dominant it was 85 to 20 at the end of the game every game yep and 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 so it's i i keep bringing back the parody is getting so much better like it's it's becoming there's more parity in women's basketball to where a number one seed can get beat by a 16, a number, mm-hmm. you know, a number one can get knocked out in the sweet 16. Two whereas, ones, two ones didn't make the sweet 16 this year. And that's the first time in right. forever. And, and I think what, what I, what I was looking at um, before a few years back when all the one seeds made it in the men's tournament into the final four, mm-hmm. it was the first time it had ever happened. It happened like seven or eight times in the women's game. Just mm-hmm. because those four teams were absolutely the best and they ran roughshod through their bracket to get to the final four. And now we're getting two sweet two one seeds didn't even make it to the sweet 16 this year. So that's to me, it's making for a better uh, it's getting closer to what the men's game is in the hype of it's madness. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I think you you nailed it dead on. I mean, Miami, the nine seed making a run to the elite yeah, eight and they beat IU in Bloomington. I mean, that's that, unheard that of. hasn't happened in years past. Like Question. you're spot on question. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump to the men's game real quick. Is there any chance? And I was at the first two round games or first couple of rounds in Columbus. Yep. Tip offs for those games. There's hardly anybody in the seats. Do you think they may ever make the move to college campuses for the first two rounds? No, because I think people are are hardly in those seats because you got four teams at the place and and they're, f- they're like there's such a, a core that follows just their game. But mm-hmm. no, I don't believe so. I think there's too much money out there. I think it helps these these cities too much. I, I don't think we'll ever see that change. Yeah. I, it's I, a thought I, because I, because. Then you're gonna have packed houses. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. gonna the, the like the nationwide arena in Columbus. That's a huge arena compared to the shot in, down the road, the Schottenstein Center down the road that Ohio State plays at. It's it's larger, much larger by like a fifty percent larger. So if you bring it down, at least you can have the teams. You know, I don't know. It just it. I would think you'd want a, a packed crowd and have that environment to where you don't feel like you're in a sterile environment, just, you know, dealing with, you know, you can hear the squeaks of the shoes better than you can the cheers, you know? Well, but again, we're talking about the final four where you then usually move it to a football stadium. Like, correct, but at least money they're mostly sold out though there. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they might be mostly sold out, but those things are not always packed either. Yeah, yeah I, just, I know. So it's just money money drives the machine. Let's take the highest seed, meaning the number, the highest number. So this year it would be Florida Atlantic. And let's play in there, Jim, the whole thing. I love that idea. (laughs) I could get down. My understanding, they only can fit about 5,000 people in their whole seat. I'm so with that. It's just bellowing out (laughs) all throughout Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I love that. Um, All right, let's get to the uh, first uh, quarter break, and we're going to do things a little bit different here, so we're actually going to step aside for just a moment. Yep, here we go. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. Hey, this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From the Infectious Groove Podcast. Join us every Monday for the most fun you can have with a music podcast. The Infectious Groove Podcast uses a positive and fun approach as we take time every week to share our jammy jams, then dig into a thought-provoking topic discussing all decades and genres of music. You can find the Infectious Groove Podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can head to infectiousgroovepodcast.com to find us there and subscribe. We might have a controversial opinion here or there, but we always have fun with it. Oh, I'm sure I'll say something dumb. Subscribe to the Infectious Groove Podcast, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. 
Hi, I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. And we host the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. Hey, Tina, did you know that Elvis crashed the Nixon White House for the sole purpose of getting a DEA badge and it worked? What? <laughs> or how a gun control advocate senator out of California engaged in gun trafficking with notorious gang leader Shrimp Boy? <laughs> Shrimp Boy, I remember him. Okay, so, you know, we cover all of that and more from Malady madness, mischief, and murder in U.S. politics. And we also host a bi-weekly interview segment called Lil Muck. We interview politicians, journalists, activists, and others who share their experiences in politics. Find the Muck Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out on social media at the Muck Podcast. I clicked the button. I'm not trying it again. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. We've talked a lot about the women's tournament there in the, the first part because, again, a Big Ten team made it to uh, the Final Four for the first time since 2015. Something for us to celebrate. Uh, but on the men's side, not so great again for the Big Ten Conference. It's uh, a, the third straight tournament without a Big Ten team in the Final Four. The last time was 2019. A Big Ten team got there. And, uh, again, it was another tournament that saw a lot of early exits. But I believe we talked about this last week, Sam. To me, this wasn't so disappointing as previous years for the Big Ten Conference because six of the Big Ten teams that made it in were seated between 7 and 10, meaning you're playing a 1 or a 2 by the second round. I mean, that's kind of set up. But again, that's an example of what the Big Ten Conference was throughout this entire year. It wasn't an elite conference this year. It just wasn't. But it was incredibly above average competitively. And you had a bunch of teams just right there in that mix. But it doesn't set up well for a tournament run. So you can't call it disappointing. I, I think it just Some is can. what that is. Some can, and that's okay. Well, well and, they can, and they can be wrong, too. In, in the individual instance of Purdue, like that's the only team you can really look at and be like, that was you know, disappointing. You know what? If you look at the whole, if you take just the snapshot of Purdue being eliminated, yes, that is yep. absolutely the biggest disappointment. But if you take the whole view of what we're looking at at the tournament, okay, you had two other one seeds being knocked out in the second round. Mm -hmm. Unheard of. We have no ones, no twos, and no threes in the final four. If if you look at the whole snapshot uh, or the whole picture of the tournament, while it is disappointing, you can't say that necessarily that that uh, don't get me wrong, that is the biggest disappointment. But I think mm -hmm. if you look at if you want to look at disappointments, the committee should be the disappointment because they seated way wrong if that's the case. So, you, and your point just is that it fits in with the theme of the Correct. madness yes. that is this year. Correct. And I, I, I agree. And I think it, I think maybe we look at it a little bit different if it happened like what happened to Kansas. Because Kansas, so Houston and Bama both made it to the Sweet 16 and both got knocked oh, out. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, they made it to the um, second weekend. Sorry. But Kansas was at the second round before they lost to Arkansas. I think if Purdue loses to Florida Atlantic and that's how that plays in the second round, this is a little bit different. But sure. losing to the 16 seed brings it, even in this incredibly unique year, still makes that such a... Uh, I wouldn't uh, say it's disappointing. I would say that it is more embarrassing than it is maybe disappointing because of the aspect of the whole, the way it's looking, you know, the, the whole tournament. If they would have gotten bounced in, in the second round, don't you think they would have been ridiculed just as much? Well, not, not just, just as much, not just no. as much, but they'd be ridiculed. Well, there we go. Still That's would be Purdue. ridiculed. Absolutely. That's Purdue. Well, so it's, not a shock that they were eliminated early. It's embarrassing that they were eliminated by the 16 seed rather than making it to the second round. So hang on, because this is interesting because again, if for folks who are tuning in for the first time, Sam <laughs> is our resident Purdue fan. He's, he's been a Purdue fan his whole life. Um, but for, for you to not say it's, or, or, or to kind of fight back on the notion of the disappointment for, for this, we're talking again about Purdue that last year was bounced by St. Peter's, a 15 seed. Recently was bounced by North Texas, not that long ago, which was, I think, a 13 seed. Um, there's been a recent history there, and I, 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 I'm, can, I'm curious how you're feeling 
where you're you're ready to fight back on on the the notion that it was disappointing. How do you kind of process all this as a Purdue fan? And not to get hang up on the disappointment, just yeah. How do you how do you process this as a Purdue fan? Because I think it would be rational as an outsider looking at that fan base to see the fan base just really in turmoil about this. Okay, so <clears throat> you know me well enough. You've known me for a great portion of my life, and I've known you for most of yours. Um, what baseball team do I follow? The Chicago I'm not kidding. Cubs. I'm not kidding. Okay, so that, that gives me the eternal hope. I always have hope. Um, but then let's go to the cliche. When is it darkest? At night. Right before the dawn. <laughs> so right before the dawn hits, before sun cracks the, the horizon, it's dark. And that's mm -hmm. the it's always darkest before the dawn. Can you get any darker than losing to a 13, 15, and 16 seed in consecutive tournaments? I'm, and while that is humorous, at the same time, it is very much the logic I'm using. Because okay. I'm looking, I'm looking at Purdue, and I, I ask Matt Painter, "What do you tell this team that does uh, that did these great things during the regular season, and then has such a disappointment?" He, you know, I'm proud of them. They busted their butts all year, and whether or not you think they're any good, and whether or not you think Zach Eady's anything but tall, he, he, they busted their butts to get where they got. Yeah, they got beat. They got beat by the better team on the court, and I was there. You were there. They were. FDU was the better team that day. Yep. And Tobin Anderson answered the question at the end of the day perfectly. He says, we play those guys 100 times. This is the only time we win. 99 other times, they beat us. We just happened to cash this in at the right time. And that kind of gave me some perspective at that point, too, believe it or not. That was like, you know, I'm not wearing anything Purdue, but I'm a proud Purdue fan. And I was embarrassed walking into that press conference and walking out. I'm like, you know what? We're, we're going to be okay. Even if Zach Eady doesn't come back, you have Miles Colvin coming. You have William Berg coming off of red shirt. Purdue's going to be good next year. So, okay. And, and I don't disagree with you. And I can really appreciate the eternal optimistic approach to <laughs> being a sports fan. But again, like you, you talk about like the dark days and, and what Purdue's seen in the tournament. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's like seasonal in Alaska. Like it's been dark for a little while. That doesn't ever. And until shake. the Cubs won in 2016, it had been dark my whole life. For a century. <laughs> it had been dark my whole entire life and all of my dad's, you know, I mean, like literally. So I, I, I'm not kidding when people people might laugh at me saying, well, I'm a Cubs fan when they say how can you be so hopeful i'm a cubs fan and they laugh and i'm like no you don't understand like i'm legitimately conditioned for this yes yeah 2003 the cubs were five outs away from the world series then you know foul ball gets hit and everybody blames one dude i blame bernie mack he they blame bartman you know whatever but you know the whole the whole point is is i've been on the cusp every time so many times and then all of a sudden it just gets yanked away this year was like even at the end of the basketball season when Purdue was struggling, I still had that eternal hope. I had them winning the national championship for crying out loud. Yep. But my point was, is it wasn't completely, you know, Homer, that team busted their butts during the year and put themselves into position to get a one seed. And you know what? They had a historic year. I saw somebody ragging on J uh Jaden Ivy because he said, you know, I, before the tournament game, let's make history. And then they're like, oh, 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 you did. They did. They did. They made history. All right. You know what? That's fine. It's how you come back from that disappointment. All right. And I, and, and that was something else that painter said is, is we're, we're going to come back from this. We're yeah. not going to let this disappointment run what we do from here on out. We're going to, we're going to work to, to overcome that. And, and, so, yes, I am extremely brokenhearted and disappointed that Purdue lost. But at the same time, looking at the whole tournament, I wouldn't say it's epic. I would just say, yeah, it's par for the course. Purdue just had the biggest disappointment of this tournament. If you want to look at the current tournament, you talked about those people earlier that said, well, this whole Final Four is just disappointing. Well, okay, let's make the whole tournament a disappointment. And Purdue has the biggest disappointment, but it's not epic. Okay. That's my All thought. Right. I'm not asking enough. you to agree. 
That's my rationale. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm just curious kind of how Purdue fans process this. Well, at this I, there are, uh, let me say, and this is not me pat myself on the back, I have a very logical reasoning compared to some people right well and and my thing too is look look i can get down with the eternal hopeful sports fan like that's mm -hmm. i'm totally cool with that i i guess i'm also curious how because i i mean and this was such a a stray comment by painter after that game but where he he kind of said you know it, as long as I'm here, this will be happening or whatever. I'm I'm curious how administrators and them think about it because I don't think this is the I don't think this sets the grounds for firing. We've talked a lot about before. I understand why fans get so invested mm -hmm. in the tournament. Well, you want to see your team go far in the mm -hmm. dance, but you have to understand that the regular season means so much when you're actually evaluating these things. And that's how administrators have to look. They have to look through that prism. They can't look through the fan prism of mm -hmm. are we still dancing? It's about the the core and the body of work, and and painters got that. I don't like dancing, anyways. So you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> no. But my my uh, yeah, I I agree. I was at that press conference when he said, "If I'm still here," and it was during that comment that I was saying that they were going to bust their butts and not let this get them down, or they were going to use it as a motivation. And he says, "As long as I'm still here," and I caught it, and I'm like. I'm looking, Greg Doyle looked around like he was, you know, from the Indy star, he looked around and I think he even wrote about it later. It was, he made that comment in a press conference because honestly, I think he's, he's not reading everything, but he knows as soon as a big loss comes, fire Matt Painter comes up as a hashtag. Mm -hmm. It trends so that maybe that's why he fired that out there. As long as I'm here, you know, but yeah, that he made that comment and I thought, are they really? Because you know just as much as I do, if they don't take a beat, some people react irrationally. Mm -hmm. And if you were to fire the fifth highest winningest or the fifth winningest coach in Big Ten basketball history in Big Ten games, the fifth highest, all because he gets beat in the tournament, but he turns out good human beings. He takes three stars and turns them into Big Ten championships. Where's your thought process? It's not all about winning a national championship. Don't get me wrong, Dalton. I want Purdue to raise the trophy at the end. I want them cutting the nets down at the final four, but I would rather have good human beings that work hard, know a work ethic and turn out to be successful adults, whether that means they cut down a net or whether that means they win a, a big 10 championship. I'd rather have the big 10 championship because that shows longevity well and and i would like to to point in this other uh fact and i know we're running heavy well we can get to the break right after this um but with purdue i'm starting to become a little bit skeptical in the system and what i mean by that is we talk all the time guards can carry you through march purdue's one run under matt painter to the elite eight was led by carson edwards just getting hot and just going bonkers yep. Yep. like guards can carry you so the system of one great big man surrounded by four players i love that system and i think it's worked really well for for a handful of years now between isaac cost between matt harms between uh travion williams between swanigan between Edie. I, I mean you can go up and down how the many list. of those were great bigs i, I at least half I would I would say you could consider you, at least you, half. You'd categorize half of them as great, AJ Evans yeah. and all of them. Yeah, I, I I think Swanigan and Edie are both all Americans to a certain extent. I can't. Remember I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're on, they're not they're not they weren't wonderful players. I'm I'm talking about like all time. Like Zach Edie's going to go down as one of the best players to put on a Purdue uniform. Mm -hmm. Can you say that about any of the others? I, I'm not trying to discount what you're saying. I'm. Just I think saying, Biggie, you can. Okay, and, and and I'm not disagreeing necessarily. I'm just, this is the first time that I can remember them using their big man as the main hub. Like, get it down to him, then kick it out. Now, that's not to say they didn't utilize their big man, but I think they, but it's 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 all semantics in my aspect. No, no, no. I, same, and I see uh, what you're saying, but I, th I think offense often initiated with Isaac Costo back in that 18. Okay, you're right. You're right. I, I think it often started with a post touch and then play. And then so, kick it out. Yeah. And, and 
Isaac Haas may not have been as dominant or as excellent as Zach Eady, but he was still such a matchup nightmare with his frame at seven foot two that like he, six thousand pounds because he, he was commanded chiseled. the same kind of attention. Like yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. like it this has been a system in play for a few years. It's not just Zach Eady kind of showing up and it, it kind of plays from here. Um, because some of those bigs are a little bit different. Like Swanigan, it wasn't built like this. Like and AJ Hammond <laughs> certainly was not Zach Eady, you know. Correct. But, but he, and Jawan Johnson, six eleven, but he was a great center, but he could shoot outside. And Harms was too thin to have it be played like this. Yeah. So, like to your point, it hasn't been exactly this, but this has been kind of a system in place. Mm -hmm. And I love the system, and I think it's worked really, really well. But I do start to wonder if fairly Dickinson's backcourt can out athletic you and and get steals and whatnot. Is this a system that actually can contract in March Madness? That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad system, mm -hmm. but it may not work in this tournament. And I think if that is the case, you then have to confront the this philosophy and say, okay, we understand this is something that might be able to win us Big Ten championships, but might send us out really quick in March Madness. And I don't know how you balance some of that, but I do wonder how much of it goes into this, this game philosophy. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you you talked about the the guards and welcome to the Purdue talk show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you talked about guard play. That was probably their biggest. Well, the fact that they couldn't hit the ocean if they were standing on the beach against FDU is probably the biggest thing. Yep. But my point on this is their guard play. They were so young. Yep. As they get older, they're going to get better. Yep. So in the next couple of years, Purdue's going to have probably at least and if William Berg turns out to be what they say he's going to be he's going to be more of a Kevin Durant style where he can shoot outside and dribble drive and take you off the dribble but he can post you up then too he's not going to be that traditional seven plus footer that Matt Painter usually has so I could see on the horizon that maybe this is going to be a different style of the same system if that makes sense. Yeah, we're going to post William Berg up, but you know what? We can have him got on the perimeter and you need to take your big out there or you're in trouble. Yeah. So, so it, I, don't, it, I don't know. I, I agree. Uh, it doesn't pan out well for a tournament run because you get pitted. Let's let's look. At or at least two. it hasn't. I don't know if it Correct. is capable, but it has not. Well, in, and you look North Texas, they were small and they were they were fast guard play. St. Peter's really small, fast guard play. FDU. Small, fast guard play. Those yep. are the three types. Of, those are the th last three teams Purdue's been eliminated by. So if they cannot get paired with a team that's small and have fast guards, then they would match up decently. But I, I think Purdue was getting beat in that second round. Having watched Florida Atlantic play twice, they were getting beat by by Florida Atlantic if they beat FDU. Which it was isn't happening. it crazy to you? Florida Atlantic was a game winning layup in the final seconds of that that controversial game layup from, too from not play. even making any of this possible. Yeah, they were yeah, a Penny Hardaway thrown water bottle from not making the final four or anything else even happen this year. They were they were leaving Columbus on Friday night is That's what they crazy. were doing. Crazy. So. OK, we are running heavy. So let's go ahead and get to the halftime break. And we said we're doing things a little bit different here. So we'll get to halftime and we'll unveil what we got going. We'll, we'll be right back. Just that quickly. That quickly. Um, Okay, so for halftime, we teased this last week, and we finally want to get into it now, 43 minutes into the, the program. But uh, Big Ten Plus Four has been our name. the third and fourth quarter. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Big Ten Plus Four has been our name for a very, very long time from here on the show. Yes, from the, the very beginning. And the idea was kind of centered around a couple things. There are 14 teams in the Big Ten. Uh, there are four other power conferences. So, hey, it kind of worked as a double entendre. We could talk about everything. Big Ten plus four. Uh, but, of course, this past July, it was announced that USC and UCLA would be joining the Big Ten. And don't fit no more. How foolish were we to not see that coming? Hey, let's not um, put numbers into it anymore. How about that? That's right. <laughs> well, well, sort of. I was going to say, and that's kind of the idea that we're running with. And we want to make something that still works. We're still focusing on the Big Ten, the show's mission, the show's objective, uh, all still the exact same. But we do want a new name that fits everything just a little bit more appropriately. So without further ado, 
Sam Sprunger, why don't you let the people know right. what's going on here? So, you know, you you just perfectly introed that and brought up the double entendre. And, and we were looking for something that was double entendre and Big Show was already taken. Big Ten Network, you know, but if you, it would be Big oh, Ten. Oh, I thought the wrestler. And then Big Show. Well, that was the double entendre. I like wrestling, and I liked Big Show when I was when I loved wrestling. So that was the double. But you know what? When we talk, we talk big. And so we went with the new show's name is Big Talk, with the B One G being the uh, the apropos uh, um, look at it. There, we're yep. still mid college sports with a Midwest perspective. We're still blue collar and blue blood. Uh, but we've changed our name to Big Talk in order to be able to uh, grow with the conference at the same time. As uh, as long as they, like I said, as long as they don't change their uh, their conference name, we're good to go. <laughs> and you know what? It's a simple change. If they do take the one out of it and make it an I, we'll just change it the same. Yeah, we 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 can figure that part out. Talk. Yep. <laughs> so but, we're happy with this. Uh, we we've got our handles. Uh, big talk uh, on Facebook. It's at b one g underscore talk. Um, yeah, I couldn't get big talk. I'm kind of disappointed, but uh, but at least uh, it, it just remember b one g and then underscore talk is yeah. wh where you'll find us. We're still at a, uh, oddpodsmedia.com. We're still at, uh, on ASAP. It just will be big talk. So the, I mean, everything we're doing, the show is going to stay the same. The the places you find us going to be the same. We'll just yep. have the different, different names. I mean, all and that's if you're changing. Already following us, nothing will change. You, you'll just, yep. will see the handle being different. That's the only difference. If you're already following us, if you need to find us though, this is how you'll, you'll see us. So when do we officially turn the leaf into big talk? Are we are we doing it now or are we doing I, it? I am going to officially say uh, after we have a national champion, we will no longer say uh, formerly Big Ten plus four. Okay, that's our plan then. So okay. we will sign off today as Big Ten plus four, and then Friday when I'm all by myself, thanks Dalton. Yeah. Uh, I will uh, uh, I will mention that we're formerly. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of make mention, but, uh, we're big talk from here on out, buddy. Yeah, I, I love it. So that's, uh, that's the name you can find us at now. We're, we're pretty excited about it. And, uh, again, nothing else is really changing. It's still the same show, nope. still the same big 10 central promo will change. Yes. That would be kind of confusing if we kept the same promo, <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, so that's, uh, that's what's in the works here. And, uh, we're going to be getting that out over the next week and we're, we're really looking forward to it and hope you are as well. Um, well, I suppose that can be the third quarter since we were running so heavy anyway. Why don't we hit the whistle one more and we'll get to the fourth. All right. We got about 10 minutes left here. So there, there's a couple of different things. Look, I have like three different topics I could hit on. Um, you, you pick dealer's choice. Well, since we did the Purdue half hour, uh, <laughs> let's go over to where my interests are uh, in at Michigan State um, because I, I heard this take come out from local radio recently uh, earlier this week that Tom Izzo um, had just ruined his last chance at a national championship, and the person I, I see that scowl. Um, I see the, the 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 person in in local radio who made that take. Is this local radio your local? Like my East local, Lansing local. Yes. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I thought person, maybe it was Dan Dockich. <laughs> the, he, the person he seems to say a lot of stupid stuff. So <laughs> the person who made the take was basically playing with hindsight, saying that with this Final Four of San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, UConn. Uh, and Miami, if it was Michigan State instead of Florida Atlantic, that's the best chance he'd have at at a national championship. Which, okay, um, I, I there's a path. I I, I see kind of where he's going, but I would like to say a. We're talking about somebody in Tom Izzo who's been to eight Final Fours. It's usually every four years. This is a, a granted. It depends how you play with the the whole COVID year. This may be just the second class ever that has not been to a Final Four under Tom Izzo, and that's if you don't count He's the COVID year where they missed years? the tournament. Uh, 28, 28 as the head coach. 
So um, yeah. So that that's one thing. Secondly, ever since recruiting analytics and metrics have been introduced, the class that's coming to East Lansing next year is considered the highest that Tom Izzo has ever had in his 28 years of being a head coach in East Lansing. And I'd also like to mention this. I don't understand what the thought process is. And I'm not sure it's just this individual uh, alone, but this team, if you watch them throughout the year, look, let's back it up even further than that. During the off season, many people were clamoring saying, Hey, this team may not have enough firepower. You might need to hit the transfer portal. The decision was made by the coaching staff to not hit the transfer portal. Fine. But nobody really believed the ceiling was a national championship with this roster walking into the year. Not necessarily a good thing, bad thing. Not every team is destined for a national championship. But as this tournament was starting to unfold and as Michigan State was playing in Columbus, you did get the sense that they could go on a run. Mm -hmm. Now, I think what's important to say is I believe it would have been a run to the Final Four. I think they could have beaten Kansas State. I think, matter of fact, that's that's evident. It goes to overtime, and you lose, as you said, really by three points because yeah. there was a layup at the end that really just didn't matter. Uh, that game absolutely could have went that way, and then you would have played Florida Atlantic, and you could have made the Final Four. Michigan State this year was too inconsistent to be a national champion. It's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. You You can't be so hot offensively one game with no defense. Like you can't kind of yin-yang back and forth. There's a reason the team had, what, 13 losses for the entire season. Right. It's it's because of some of that inconsistency. It's not a bad thing. They were capable of making a Final Four run, yes. Capable of winning a national championship. It's it's a really exclusive club that wins national championships like in terms of metrics. And I think it's you got to be top 20 Ken Palm offensively and top 37 Ken Palm defensively. And I think all but one champion in the last like 25 years fits that bill. And this year, I think the only one that, that fits it out of the four remaining is UConn. And, and so, I mean, if you're looking at it through a numbers prism, UConn should be able to walk through and win this, this that's final four San that's Diego going there. State's winning. <laughs> you're right. Because this just needs to debunk all the numbers Correct. this year because or it's Florida such a Atlantic. wacky one of the, year. One of the teams on the other side of the bracket's going to win the whole thing. It's right. Just, it's going to happen. And by the way, that very well could happen. I'm not telling you what's set in stone. I'm just telling you, if you look through the numbers, UConn is winning this thing. If and, you wanted and to if bet they don't, smart money, you'd go with UConn. If, if UConn doesn't win this, it's going to defy math. It, oh, it just disappointing. will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I mean, that's that's kind of how it sets up. If UConn does not win this, it will defy the numbers that are presented yeah. to us in stats. And that's not good or bad. It just is what it is. Yeah. Um, but my point, again, goes back to Michigan State. You cannot look. Izzo's had some close chances. This you cannot file as a big miss for not winning the national championship. I, I don't really know where that narrative kind of drew from. Um, I almost follow the logic that was there, but that is a horrible take among many bad takes. And I did want to get that off my chest as well, Sam. It has to be because of what the final four is. Now. It's just playing with hindsight yes. in hand. Yes. And, and you know what? I, I would look at this tournament as a, a, a glaring success for what Michigan state did during the regular season. They beat a two seed for crying out loud, and it was convincing. Uh huh. And and they gave us one of the all time great games. And they, State Michigan State was a honestly, classic. It's the best game, other than maybe UCLA and Gonzaga, of this yeah. tournament thus far. Which were both the same night. <laughs> were, yeah, which were the same <laughs> night. You're correct, but but like, how can you say that? I get to a point, like you said. I can understand what they're meaning, but no, no, don't do and, that. And again, this isn't this isn't bad. I think this good th this team's ceiling was a Final Four run. Yeah. I thought that entering the tournament, yeah. I didn't think this team's ceiling was was finishing with a national championship. Again, not every team is made to to win a national championship, and and that just is like with the my point isn't say you enter the season like oh let's shoot for this because we can't do this. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, given the season we just saw, you know what teams are capable of. And this mm -hmm. team, this Michigan State team, 
had flaws. It yeah. was yeah. at times wildly inconsistent. Yep. And that just is what it is. I still think with that inconsistency, they were very capable of a final four run and they came this close to it. But to say that this is Izzo's big miss because he's not cutting down the nets in Houston as a national champion. I, I don't understand where that comes from. Well, and you said again, eight, eight final fours, eight final a national fours. championship. Like you, you, this, this in 28 years, this is not the one that you, you say he swung and missed. It's an asinine take. How many years did coach K mate uh, coach almost 40 over 40? Oh, 40, I believe. Okay, so if you take that into context, he he only made it to five more Final Fours. Was his career a, a disappointment when he got beat? You know, when he you know by Mercer, you know, mm -hmm. or what? Don't play that. The man is incredible at coaching a tournament team, and like I've said this multiple times, and it's why I always say don't count Michigan State out. Is he's taken teams that were six seeds in the before they when the brackets came out mm -hmm. people were saying oh that's michigan state winning you know they were the favorites for that the, as a six seed mm -hmm. so let's not say that and, and and yeah this was a down year for for michigan state because of the the inconsistency and the ability the ability Correct. not and, or the inability to you know dominate like they like we've seen michigan state at times mm -hmm. but at no point did i say well, well this is a disappointing season for them no Never. no this this wasn't you didn't enter this year thinking this was going to be the second best season of Izzo's 28 years at michigan state it just he's had some phenomenal teams that's not to, it's not a knock on this year's team no it's not just at all. how great this hall of famers resume is and and so i would also like to point out uh, as you're talking about the success, eight years ago today, Michigan State beat Louisville in the Elite Eight to send uh, Michigan State to Indianapolis for the Final Four in 2015 as a seven seed. So you're talking about the resume. Eight years ago today, he, he punched the ticket as a seven seed. So it was very capable. But to say this is the biggest miss for, for not coming home with a national championship is just up. utterly absurd. Um, <laughs> I'll say it for you, Dalton. Shut up. Yeah, so I, I wanted to get that one off my chest, too, because I, I this Michigan State team was capable of a Final Four run, and it came very close to it. And that just I had them, I had them in the Elite Eight. I really did. I had Purdue yep. and them playing in the Elite Eight and Purdue winning. That was and, and it was only because of the two games that they'd played prior that, you know, that Purdue had dominated. You know, well, I'm sorry, Zach Eady had really gone off, and it just seemed like uh, that that's what I thought, but I had Michigan state going to the elite eight because I have to take into consideration teams that, that have that kind of coach at, on their bench. Mm -hmm. While I know the Jimmy's and Joe's tend to win tournament, more tournament games. If you have teams that are very comparable, you go with the coach, you know? Yep. And, and so I, I knew that that Michigan state was going to be hard out no matter yep. when they got always, eliminated. always are. And, yep. and again, that's just a credit to Tom Izzo, but sure. I, I could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> we could talk about Izzo's success and other show and, and some other things. I know we're getting up against it, but real quick, because this is the last show that I'm doing with you before we get a national champion, let's get national champion pick for you. Men's and women's. Uh, I think it's, uh, I'm going against the green San Diego state. I think San Diego yeah, State wins. Okay. Wins. Uh, they they shut down the three pointer. Uh, like their their defense is what wins them games, and I mm -hmm. think that they can maybe disrupt UConn or whoever they play UConn on the uh, in the national championship game to to take it. So I think the Aztecs win it there, and I can't go against South Carolina. I really can't. I'm going South Carolina as well, but I'm taking UConn. I, I mean, I'm I'm boring. Is. I'm going with the favorites, but I just I've been so they've been so overwhelming both of those teams that I just I I have a hard time seeing something. But else. but UConn has yet to play a competitive game. If they get into a competitive game, will that cinch them up a little bit since they haven't had one yet? We'll find out. I guess it's when coming. Right, the final when four. I, when I'm right, you can be like <laughs> Sam. You're right. Thanks. 
<laughs> All right, Sam, close down shop. Where can everybody find us? All right. Well, now that you're listening to uh, this because it's Wednesday evening, uh, we have ma- changed all of our handles, at least these two. Um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, at B1G underscore talk on the Twitter and Instagram. It'll be the same. Uh, and then big talk on Facebook. We are on Odd Pods Media for our podcast version. We are the only sports podcast in the in the network, and uh, we like it that way. And then we're streamed twice a week on ASAP Network. Uh, you can get the app at the Google Store, Play Store, or the Apple Play Store. I don't even know what it's called. So, uh, but because uh, I don't own an Apple device, so just the App Store, App Store. Sure, sure, okay. So that's it. <laughs> There you go. Well, again, thank you all for tuning in and and joining us for another edition of uh, what is now Big Talk, but formerly Big Ten Plus Four. Uh, For Sam Sprunger, myself, Dalton Shetler, so long. And for one final time, at least for me, goodbye from Big Ten Plus Four and welcome into Big Talk. See ya.